new lessons learned from the WannaCry ransomware attack, and cyber risks from aging industrial systems. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. A new report from British parliamentary auditors assessed the impact of the WannaCry ransomware attack on the National Health Service. To discuss the report, I'm joined by Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matthew Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. The National Audit Office is an independent parliamentary body similar to the Government Accountability Office in the United States. What did NAO examiners reveal? NAO examiners found that the WannaCry outbreak is something that could have, should have been prevented. It's easy to say that in retrospect, and it's especially easy to say that about NHS England, which at least here in Great Britain is seen as an organization that does a lot of good, but which often is extremely resource thin. The WannaCry outbreak started May 12 and affected organizations around the world. Just to be clear, this report is only about NHS England. It doesn't cover NHS Scotland, nor does it touch on the National Health Services in Wales or Northern Ireland. In England, there's 236 trusts. These are NHS organizations, and at least 81 of those were disrupted by WannaCry. In addition, there were 603 other organizations infected by WannaCry and nearly 600 general practitioners. So nearly 600 doctor's offices, at least across England, were hit by WannaCry. That caused a huge disruption to delivering medical care. What impact was there on treatment and care of uh, patients who use the National Health Service in England? At least five accident and emergency departments were left unable to treat at least some patients that at least 19,000 appointments needed to be canceled. Although they say this may only be a fraction of what actually happened when you start looking at all of the affected organizations inside NHS England and all of the affected doctor's offices. In NHS England, it found that 81 of 236 trusts were either infected or disrupted. A further 603 primary care and other NHS organizations were infected, as were nearly 600 or more doctor's practices. It had a huge disruption on people's ability to receive medical care or to receive it at least in a timely manner. How has NHS in England responded to the audit? Auditors have shared the recommendations they have with NHS England, and it has agreed with the findings. It says that it's already putting a lot of these measures in place. It has also launched some other programs that should help. Such as? The organization inside NHS England that disseminates critical information security information has started putting out alerts and NHS England says that it expects these alerts to be dealt with within 48 hours. These alerts include things like emergency security patches that need to be put in place. You cannot say that NHS Digital was not putting out this information. They were. They flagged the critical patches that Microsoft had put out so that Windows 7 users could update themselves in March and April against the flaws that turned out to be exploited in May by WannaCry. It looks like many, if not all, of the infected systems in the NHS were running Windows 7. If various NHS organizations had gotten on the patching ball a little bit earlier, they would have prevented the WannaCry outbreak. The problem is the NHS has resourcing challenges. It isn't necessarily able to apply patches. So one of the questions in the wake of the NAO probe is these recommendations have been made, but does NHS England now actually have the resources required to keep on top of all of these kinds of security alerts and emergency patches? 
they don't have the money? Funding has not kept up with the growth in medical care that's required by an aging population. The current austerity-focused government doesn't seem keen to give the NHS additional resources. It appears to be trying to spin out a lot of the things that are handled by the NHS into the private sector. The NHS is attempting to do more with less. It also is a political scapegoat. Anytime anything goes wrong, the government likes to lambast the NHS and doctors in particular, occasionally nurses, implying that they aren't doing their job very well, while at the same time continuing to underinvest in infrastructure and, as we've seen with WannaCry, the kinds of resources that might be required to help them keep their aging infrastructure secure and safe. What are the water implications of the audit? First of all, you need to not only have a plan, but you need to practice it. The probe found that the Department of Health in England, which is in charge of NHS England, had crisis plans, but they either hadn't tailored them for cybersecurity events or they had not practiced them with all of the relevant organizations inside NHS England. If you have a plan and don't practice it, what good is it? It's no good at all. The other things it found were you need to be patching on a regular basis. This is so basic, but it wasn't happening. You also need to be educating staff about what to do. The ransomware outbreak impacted email. People were left without a way to communicate. They turned to WhatsApp. They probably turned to text messaging. And they turn to the telephone, trying to get in touch with people. You need to figure out what's going to happen if something like this happens again. All this stuff should be thought through in advance. And the probe found that it wasn't being thought through in advance. Any organization should be asking themselves, if this happened to us, if we suffer one cry, or like the NotPetya outbreak that happened just a little bit later, if we suffer a ransomware outbreak like that, and despite our best efforts, crypto-locking ransomware gets into our system, or something else that disrupts us, do we have the plans and procedures not only in place, but practiced repeatedly to make sure we can quickly recover? Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. After this message, we'll return to hear a forensics expert explain the success of young hackers in instigating online fraud. That is why the amount of attacks will increase in future, because it's easy to begin an attack. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Healthcare Security Summit will take place November 14th and 15th in New York City. Keynote address will be provided by Jim Ralph, Chief Security Officer, Aetna Global Security, followed by other industry-leading CISOs from organizations like Blue Cross Blue Shield, New York Presbyterian, Hospital for Special Surgery, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. Welcome back. Who's responsible for many of the criminal hacks that lead to fraud? That's a question posed to Vesta Mativa. She's a digital forensics investigator at the Moscow-based threat intelligence firm Group IB. Mativa spoke at the recent ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in London with ISMG Senior Vice President for Editorial Tom Field. Young guys, 20, 25 years, that have a good technical education and they usually spend all of this, of their time to this work because they have a good profit of it. They monitor Darknet for the malware, the techniques, and they have enough skills to do all this work with, attack, with an attack because a lot of software and malicious content and exploits and penetration tools are available in the internet and with the good instructions and guidelines and they have enough time to educate themselves how to do it. That is why the amount of attacks will increase in future because it's easy to begin an attack. As a forensics expert, what is the advice you would give to organizations beyond hashing? 
to improve their cyber defenses, to be able to respond better to these attack trends that you see? The security measures, I think, the same as were five and ten years ago, because the techniques are the same, but maybe the instruments and the purposes were changed. The first one is to set up the security policy of the company from the point uh, that you have already been hacked. That means uh, that you should monitor every internet connection. You should uh, um, identify security policy violation and see whether credentials are compromised or not and are used in unusual places. Also, the important idea here is that a lot of antiviruses, IDS and IPS systems can be defeated at the moment of the attack. They can be used for the purpose of monitoring, but not to prevent um, at the moment. Um, to keep this in mind, you can create a security system in your network to be aware when the hacker is inside and to prevent the stealing of confidential information. To listen to Tom's full interview with Vesta Matviva, go to InfoRiskToday.com. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, remember the days before mobile phones, the modern internet, or even desktop PCs. That requires making a hazy, fuzzy leap into the past. But some technology sticks around for a long time. And as ISMG's security and technology editor, Jeremy Kirk, explains, for security reasons, that's not necessarily a good thing. Take industrial control systems, which are the computers and logic controllers that run power plants, manufacturing operations, and pharmaceutical factories. The most common serial communications protocol used for those systems is Modbus, which dates from 1979. That's when the most advanced technology in a home probably would have been an 8-bit Atari 400. Modbus is still widely used because it's reliable, but many security issues have been found with it. The finding comes from a new study done by CyberX, which is a company that specializes in developing defenses for ICS and SCADA systems. The study is compelling because it involved passive analysis of actual network traffic for some 375 organizations, and it revealed some compelling findings on the state of industrial system security. Securing ICS and SCADA systems that run critical infrastructure is top priority for governments. Cyber attacks in 2015 and 2016 in Ukraine caused widespread blackouts after attackers infiltrated power stations. Experts have warned such attacks could be replicated elsewhere to devastating effect. Unsurprisingly, CyberX found that 76% of the industrial sites it studied are running outdated versions of Windows, including XP in 2000. The study generated a bevy of other interesting statistics, none of which are good. On authentication, close to 60% of industrial sites have clear text login credentials going across their networks. And what about antivirus? Close to half of organizations don't use it on Windows endpoints due to performance and warranty issues with vendors of ICS systems. CyberX also found air gap systems are nice in theory but rarely work out as neatly in practice. One in three of industrial sites still had internet-facing systems. The air gap barrier is still permeable too. Attackers have stolen credentials from power station engineers, allowing them to move from IT networks to operational ones. So despite the increasing attacks against ICS, it appears that organizations have a long way to go, which doesn't forebode too well for critical infrastructure. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. 
catch you next time.